Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Back with Vershawn Jackson. Sponsored by Wingstop. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Yeah, and we're back. It's the captain, the ticket, 93.7. I got another three-time champion in the building. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Pro Day. Sheldon, Blair, Jackson, Jr. Man, that was a lot. Sheldon, how you that been, my, man? That's a, That was the name I was given, man. I, it's okay. I know. Is there a Sheldon Jackson? Is there a Sheldon Blair Jackson the third? Or does it stop with oh, you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My son, my firstborn, is Sheldon Blair Jackson the third. Oh wow. Okay. So, yeah, are you still worry. junior, not, or are you the, the second? George Foreman's over here. Uh, actually, if I could do it over again, I would have given given my son his, his own name. Uh, I would not have given him my name. Um, but that's another story for another time. Well, hey, that's interesting. Why? Why is that? Hold on a minute. Why would you? Have- why would you give him his own name versus a junior? Uh, well, I'm technically junior. Uh, my father is senior. Uh, and, you know, I, I think one of the conversations you and I had a while back was about history, right, and about learning a little bit more about who we are, who we come from, where we come from, and there's a lot in the name. Yeah. So I would have gave him – I may have given him a part of my name, but I would have given him also one of those one of those names that would have spoken to his characteristics, a name that would have spoken to kind of his the, his spirit. I would have given him a name that may have even linked him further back into history than just than just my name. You know? mm, gotcha. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Makes sense. Oh no, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Sheldon, what uh, you guys had some pretty bad storms in Dallas, huh? Okay. <laughs> How was that? I just found out. Because I wasn't paying attention to the news, so I just did a load. I ran down to Houston and back last night, well, technically this morning. And when I got back, they said, one of the other drivers is like, hey, man, how was those tornadoes? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, you know there was tornadoes in the Houston area? I was like, nope, didn't know that. He said, you you drove right through it. It was on I-45 or around the I-45. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, that would explain all the rain. That's what I was saying. <laughs> so... Uh, apparently it hit somewhere in the outskirts of the Houston area and what have you. Um, but all I got was, I mean, the, the bottom fell out. All I got was severe, heavy, heavy rain. I couldn't see, barely see the hood of the tractor I was driving. Do you keep uh, driving? But, what? Do you keep driving in that situation? I do. Um, it's the same with the ice. We had a, like a, a severe ice freeze over a few weeks back where they stopped a lot of drivers. I drove in that too. Uh, a lot of experience in that. So I, it doesn't really bother me as much, even though you do see a lot of tractors turned over. You see a lot of people with four-wheelers turned over. There's a lot of uh, vehicles crashed uh, this morning and last night when I was on the road. Um, it just, if you slow down, I know that's kind of, people don't think it's that simple, but if you slow down, Generally speaking, you can drive through almost anything. 
but again, tornadoes are a little more severe, but I did not, you know, I don't think I encountered a tornado. I just encountered some severe rain, severe uh, lightning, and, and that was about it. Is there a, because we're trucking with Sheldon Jackson right now, you in the truck rolling coming from Houston, but is there a safety tip that you can tell the people? Always. Um, I would I would say slow down. <laughs> I was going to definitely speak to the truckers out there because I know sometimes people think, oh, he's got something, nothing to always talking to the four-wheelers. But uh, there are some pretty bad truck drivers out there as well. And all in all, I think if people take into consideration others uh, or, or, or if you want, how about you think about your own family that's at home waiting for you to get home safely be surprised if you are willing to let someone in, whether it be a truck or another four-wheeler, just let somebody in mm. because the traffic is so crazy. It's enough to drive people insane out there, dude. And I've seen people drive like complete knuckleheads and it's very, very, very unsafe. So the safety tip for this week is let people in. Don't be that guy that's like, you're not going to get in front of me. And you're not even. And the harsh reality of that is, you're not even going to save a minute. You're not even going to save any time on mm. your commute. Right. So sl- slow down and let people in. Yeah, you know us in Nebraska, for the most part, Nebraska people will let you in. It's mm-hmm. not until I get outside of Nebraska, Texas. Those are kind of a. I won't say all the way rude, but rude. The rudest drivers, California, Miami. Oh, my goodness. Super rude. And I, I would probably imagine New York, but you would know about that than I would. Yeah, I've driven a, I've driven a rig uh, in through Queens uh, before, and uh, I will never do it again. Uh, I thank God he was definitely with me that day. Uh, but it, you are right. There is another level of rudeness in, in the north northeast. New York specifically. Uh, there's also a little bit of rudeness in uh, the Chicago area. Um, Detroit can be pretty bad. Uh, Los Angeles being that's where I'm from, you just roll with it out there, man. Everybody just put your foot down the pedal and keep it going. Oh, just speed then, huh? Just go. Put the brick on oh, yeah. and ride. Just, just ride on out. Miami uh, has to be the – What the... they tell you on, on the football field, speed kills, right? So <laughs> well. you get – you get out there and then in Los Angeles, just put, just get in the right, the left lane and, and get after it. Yeah, that that California deal. I mean, I, you you remember Jerome Peterson? Yeah. A few years back, maybe five, six years ago, seven years ago, I don't know what it was, but we went from I've I've drove into Oakland to hang out uh, with those guys there in the Bay Area, and then me and him drove down to uh, L.A. for it was either Super Bowl or All Star Weekend. Maybe it was All Star Weekend, something like that. And let me tell you, it was pouring down rain, and I'm sleepy because I just drove. And I look down, Jerome Peterson is in the rain doing like 90. Mm. And I'm like, well, listen, dude. And I was so tired, I couldn't say nothing. But And you, it, it was like you said, it was just straight white out. So California what kind, traffic What kind of car rolls. was he driving? I'm going to cut you off. What we were in a BMW. BMW, 04 BMW. I'll never forget it. Oh, that's, that's a little different. Yeah, it was a 530i, so the, I mean, it was a good car, but my point is he was literally flying it. So on the way, that was on the way there, okay, smooth selling. On the way back, we literally, and I can't remember exactly where it's at. You know when you're coming out of L.A. 
and you you're headed to to Oakland, you know, there's there's a little valley or something in there. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, bruh, again, I'm tired. I'm not driving. Rome is driving. I go to sleep. I sleep, which seems like an eternity. I wake up. I'm like, dang, Rome, how long I've been asleep? Oh, about an hour, hour and a half. Guess how many miles we had went? 200. Five. Oh, traffic. Yes. <laughs> okay. I was so mad. <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I never wanted to live in a big city, because that traffic for me is a deal breaker. Atlanta, yeah. deal breaker. Yeah, it it does take a it does take a, a lot of getting used to, and some people never get used to it. No, uh, I I would never get used to sitting in traffic just to be sitting there. But let's talk a little bit about pro day. Pro day. Okay. Did you get invited to the combine? I did. I went to Indianapolis. Okay, so you go to Indianapolis. What happens when you first get there? Goodness, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that. Uh, so when you get there, they put you into the hotels, and usually you generally you give you go they, you sit in this in kind of a big seminar type of. This is the orientation. This is what's going down. This is the itinerary. All right, let's go. And so they take you through. Uh, once you get settled, I think that first day we we went right into workouts. Uh, so you, you get you got to have a, you have a workout. So the, I think it's two or three days you're there. You have uh, interviews, and then you have workouts. Then you have your field, your bent, your strength tests, all your little field tests, and then uh, that's a wrap. All that wrapped up into about forty eight, seventy two hours. Mm. Okay, so. You go, you have your field test. That what about the Wonderlick? Tell tell other people about because I don't think people understand the the amount of testing, the mental testing that goes on at the combine. Okay, so I'm not sure about the the phrase Wonderlick. It might be a new term for me, but I tell you, it did make me think about something uh, with regards to uh, interviews. And when I remember my interviews were late in the evening. So you had your field test on one particular day. You would have all of your field tests, and then you would uh, your forties, your your pro agilities, whatnot, your bench presses, uh, all that I think was done on one day. And then that night, which is really, really, really interesting, as I began to kind of watch, kind of observe what was going on, all the clubs that may have been interested in you as a student, as a potential player into their organization, they would interview you. And I thought about that even then. I was cognitive of it then. I thought, this is a strange time to do an interview. But okay, so wait, 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 wait. How, how did that go again? So you did your test. Okay. So you, you. The written, you they, talking about the written test or are you talking? Oh, no, 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 no. That was a different day. Okay. But they interviewed you on that day too because, they, you know, there's not a lot of time to get all the guys interviewed. But so you would have a field test. You have all your field tests. And then by the time you were done, it was kind of late in the day. And then I think you had the uh, food. And then even after that, you started having some more interviews. Mm, okay. So one series of interviews was just like that. Like everybody listening, I'm sure, has had a panel interview before where you sit there and, and one person may be asking you questions, but there's two, three, four, or five other people there, and they have their line of questionings, and everybody's writing down the notes based off everything in response to what the questions were given to you. Mm-hmm. So it's like that, but it's it's on steroids. And what I mean by that is you'll sit there for one segment of the interviews 
you'll sit there at a round table with, let's say, the Miami Dolphins and the two or three people that are there to talk to you to represent that club. Well, once they finish asking you a series of questions, then you get to get up and then you go talk to the Green Bay Packers. And after they give you their series of questions, then you get up and you go talk to the the Raiders. And then from there, the Giants and then the Jets. And then you would sit there and literally interview with a half a dozen to a dozen ball clubs in one sitting. Mm-hmm. And that was, like I said, it was kind of late in the night. We That reached into midnight, uh, 1 o'clock. I mean, they... It was like a it was like a trial by fire in that it was just uh stressful because you were you're tired. Do you and, remember do you remember yeah, that's the psychological warfare that goes on. They trying to test you mentally, but do you remember some of the questions? Uh, it says here uh that you know you have you know, your mother blah blah works in such and such a post office and, you know, you went to Damien High School, um what what was what was coach so and so like or what was the most strenuous game you ever played in or you know what what classes do you like the most in school and then it says you know it says here that you missed um you know this particular game because of this injury what was that like you know so they they were asking you questions with some I I thought with some rather detailed questions because they kind of knew a lot about me mm. you know to ask me specifics about my mother or specifics about my high school, uh, not to mention, of course, the colleges, um, which led me to another interview that I thought was pretty interesting, too, uh, VJ, uh, the medical interview. Now, I thought this one was real stressful because, you know, you ask anybody what was the largest panel you've ever been interviewed for, and I think guys who go through the, the combines arguably – could have done the largest panel interviews than anybody else. When I was there, you had this big room partitioned with a wall and then on with two, separating two individual sides, and then you had just about half of all the organizations and their representatives, their medical staff, their trainers, everybody that has to deal with training and, med- and medicine for each individual organization – was and and they were at this these tables uh positioned around a singular table in which you or my I'm speaking for myself I would sit at this one table all and half of the organizations because it was so many people each organization probably had two to three people to represent it and they had my files any reason I missed a practice any reason I missed a game any reason not any cold I may have had at the University of Nebraska in my five years, they had it on file. So they were able to take me, sit me at this one examiner's table, if you will, mm-hmm. in the midst of all these coaches down to my draws, and they were they would manipulate my ankles, my toes, my shoulders, my back, my hips, stand up, touch your toes. Uh, put your arms out, you know, touch your nose. All the things that you, if you go to a physical, go to your doctor and get a physical for it, they would do all that just amplify because of the sport we were playing. All the while, they were asking questions. So if you can imagine sitting in a room with about at least, I'm, I'm not exaggerating here, at least 18 to 25 
medical examiners slash trainers slash doctors, whatever, for representing half of the league's organizations. Everybody, every doctor has a chance now at this point. Every organization representative has a chance now to put their hands on your body and manipulate your body for themselves. They can take the guy's word for it who may be, let's say, the Browns doctor is sitting there manipulating my knees, checking my medial meniscuses, checking my ACLs. He can speak to the group and tell what he's experiencing with manipulating my knee. But each organization that's represented could have, this is their chance now to put their hands on my knee. So in essence, if there's 25 teams, or I'm sorry, to put that in the middle. If there's, let's say there's 20 teams in that room with a representative for those teams, my, my left knee or my right knee or my left ankle, right ankle can be manipulated 20 different times. Oh, wow. To wow. Be, to, stat, to satisfy the medical examination and interview. Now, now, you're not just sitting there being quiet. They're asking you questions at the same time. So while you're being manipulated and they're making, they're verifying that the product is good. You know what I mean? They're making sure that the that the uh, this future, if we're going to spend all this money on this athlete, we got to make sure that the product is good. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna physically put their hands on you. Like I said, if you got anything showing that you were injured and missed a game, they're gonna find it. They're gonna find it. Well, no, no, they already have the paperwork that says you missed the game for this reason. Mm. They already got it. They're looking at the reading it. So you can't come back and say, nah, I didn't miss nothing. Nah. Well, it says here game the week week four against the you know uh, uh, against the, the Oklahoma Sooners. You missed this game because of a high ankle sprain. Which I, let me see that right foot. They know they know everything about that. Mm. Not to mention that the uh, we were also informed that a lot of the guys, a lot of the, you know, I don't know how much truth this is, but it makes sense that a lot of the retired FBI guys work for the NFL. Oh, that, there's, there's a lot of truth to it. Okay. So there's the, a tons of talking, truth. Because the, so those are the guys that when you get in a, you get, you know, you get messing around getting a drug program for alcohol or getting in trouble, whatever the case may be, then they go, and I don't care if you're, if as long as you're active, you could not be on a roster, and those FBI agents are going to find you and drug test you. Right. So, I mean, you you got to think. They have to be in places that it's like it's like dope. Remember how dope would find out about stuff that would happen? Yes. That's only because there was somebody there that was watching. Right. So, <laughs> I, you know, same thing, you know, who better not who better to have other than like a FBI agent? That's perfect. He he's been doing that. He knows how to dig. He knows what to look for. He knows different signs in in, in situations that whatever you know. Right. So anyway, he knows go ahead. How to play the background? Scene. Right. Right. So you you're 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 getting examined. Twenty doctors. They they're pulling your fingers. They're telling you to asking raise your questions. hands up. Asking questions at the same time. All Cranking of that. Up the intensity. Okay. So so. How long does that actually take? I don't remember um, because, and this is a, this is one thing I kind of thought. This, I mean, I'm again, I'm a California kid, but you know, my time in Nebraska kind of brought out that that deep seated countryness inside me. Mm-hmm. The very 
first thing I thought of, and this is this is the honest truth. We they grouped us by position. First off, when we got to the part where we started doing our tests and doing our our answer our interviews and whatnot, we were all grouped by position. So, for example, I was a tight end. I was grouped with the tight ends, and so it was tight end, and we had jerseys or sweatshirts that said T-E and a number. So it was tight end one. I was tight end seven. Mm. And I come to find out later it was based off what they thought or who they thought was the best tight end in the group. Who was number one? Actually, uh, hold on, hold on, Sheldon, before we say that. Hammer. Hold on before uh-huh. we say that. I'm talking to Sheldon Jackson, three-time national champion, former Buffalo Bills, on the captain of Ticket 93.7. Now, go ahead. I I, I, I got to research his name, but it was he went to Minnesota the year I came out. It was Kleinson Hammers, Klein and Hammer, Kleinson. Oh Palmer. yeah, Kleinson Master. Yeah, oh well, yeah, somebody like that, man. But I was number seven on that in that year for tight ends mm-hmm. out of all the tight ends in the country that came to the combine. So once they okay, so once they put you in the group, and the groups were big. Okay, you can imagine they're grouping everybody by position, all the, all the guys that got invited. So you would literally, they would call you in. They would call the groups or call tight ends, and you would go. Wherever you had to go, you went. When you got there, usually you had to wait. And then when they were ready for you, they would call you in one at a time. And then once everybody was done, you would wait. And then they would call you to another portion of the festivities, and then you would wait. And then they would call you in one at a time. When everybody was done, then you would wait. And, the again, the first thing I thought of, man, was cattle. Oh, dang. The first thing I said, I matter of fact, I, remember, I, do, I do remember this. The first thing I said was, mmm. <laughs> we were sitting, we were inside <laughs> of a, a section of the building where it was kind of dark and it was very dimly dimly lit, and uh, we were just waiting. At this point, we were waiting. We weren't moving anywhere. We were just waiting, and it just it. My first impression was to sit there, yeah. and again, just, right? Yes, <laughs> just, mm. <laughs> and I kept doing it throughout the whole time because it just felt like we were being herded around. Um, I mean, I get it. It's to, it's to see who's fit for the next level of play, uh, but the, the harsh reality that I thought again. Yeah, I thought we were just being herded around as cattle. They wanted to make sure that you could stay with the group, that you had patience enough when they were calling you in one by one, and that you wouldn't leave the rest of the sheep. Keep stay there. Well trained cattle. Oh, sorry, cattle. Stay there, cattle. Don't go anywhere. Well trained. Yeah, be trained. Take your butt in here. Wait for the next guy. Then once we get everybody done as a group of cattle. We're going to walk over to the next deal. Exactly. Okay. All right. So you're you're, you're walking the, the 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 herd. What's the last thing you do at the combine? Man, I, I want to say it was the actual field events. When I say field events, I mean when they actually you're actually out there running on the field where you're catching footballs and running routes and stuff like that. I want to say that was the last thing. But right and at the end of that. When that was over and you had a chance to take a break, you got a chance to actually talk to a couple coaches that actually may be interested in drafting you. 
I overheard quite a few conversations where coaches were telling students, yeah, we're going to draft you first round. You know, this is this and that. And, you know, and so I, that was the last thing I heard. You could have exchanged numbers and all that if you wanted to. Um, but that was the last thing I remember uh, with my experience in the combine. Did, did Buffalo talk to you at no. the combine? No, they did not. Matter of fact, Detroit told me they were going to draft me, but that didn't happen. As a matter of fact, on draft day, I was on the phone. And I know we're kind of fast-forwarding a little bit. I was on the phone with Seattle, and they were talking about, hey, man, we're going to bring you on as free agent. And I was sitting there by myself in my apartment in Lincoln, and I was like, uh, okay. Not really knowing what the free, free agent was. So I was like, okay. Uh, and while I was on the phone with Seattle, uh, the late – uh, Jerry Butler was the general manager of Buffalo at the time, called me himself. I clicked over. It was, hey, this is, uh, you know, Jerry, Jim Butler, Jerry Butler for Buffalo Bills. Uh, we want to draft you. I was like, well, well, okay then. Let's go with that. And then I never clicked back over to Seattle because moments later I'm watching the screen and I saw my name get picked. I saw my name go by as a seventh-round selection for the Buffalo Bills. Right. So at that point, Seattle kind of recognized the game, and they got off the phone. But I never clicked back over to them. Just left them hanging, huh? Well, no, I didn't leave them hanging. They they found somebody else. I'm sure they wasn't trying to put up no real money. Buffalo was right. Now, now so, think. Of, let's just talk about that a little bit. And, and and again, if you don't want to answer, that's that's perfectly okay. But let's speak to how significantly the money has changed. So you came out what ninety nine two thousand? Yes. Okay. So twenty two years ago, seven round draft pick, what forty thousand? Signing bonus. A year? No. Was this what was the signing bonus for a seven round draft pick then? Oh, twenty five. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.